So the text I'd like to uh, share with you today and talk with you about is from Genesis chapter 12. It's the primary text. Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. This is uh, subtitled, The Call of Abraham. So this is God speaking to Abraham as he was about to uh, make a great nation out of him. So hear these words, the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is a remarkable text, isn't it? If you can imagine God setting aside a a people for Himself and deciding that all of God's plan for humanity and for creation is going to be carried out starting with this person. <laughs> That's how I feel too, sweetheart. <laughs> a lot of times, most days, you know, just... <laughs> always. <laughs> It's just remarkable that as God is speaking to uh, Abraham and is about to reveal like, hey, this is going to be a, a big deal. This is something really big that's about to happen. And, and I've selected you. But this is what, what God says to Abraham in the same breath. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who will bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did you notice something here right away? Is that, um, that God is not saying, I'm going to make for you a, a people that will be blessed and we'll just be called God's blessed people and you can have a nice group of, uh, of people that you feel really good about. God from the very beginning is blessing Abraham and saying, I'm blessing you so that you can turn around and pour yourself out for all the families of the earth. Not even, he's not even just saying, not even just in Canaan, not just a little section of where he was going to be located. All the families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. You have been blessed so that you will be a blessing. This is to me probably one of the most remarkable texts in all of the Bible and is really foundational for how we should view our lives as Christians. Oftentimes it's easy to think that our faith is a personal, private faith and we can have lots of gratitude for how, the ways that God has blessed us and say, well, I'm going to do my best to be a good person and just live by example, which is very important. But this text from Abraham tells us that this, this call to Abraham tells us that there's something more, there's something deeper about our Christianity, that the very purpose of God blessing us and loving us and forgiving us 
is so that we can be a blessing to others. It's never been, and there's never any example in the Bible where it's just saying, I'm going to bless you because I love you and I hope you really enjoy it. Just carve out a nice life for yourself. But somewhere along the line, that's what Christianity has become. And the power is lost through that experience. So as I heard this uh, taught to me in a seminary class, it was, it was really illustrated as we talked about what is mission. It just became just this remarkable shift within my heart of saying, wow, this is really what our faith is all about. And we see that all throughout the Bible. This truth that we are not intended by God to simply live life enjoying our blessings only for ourselves. That we are created for the purpose of being poured out as, re- as a representation of God's grace and light into the world. So we need boundaries. We need to determine what is our capacity. What are the needs around us? What is God inviting us to do? What's our personality like? What's our giftedness? Where are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? But then we need to lean in to generosity. Many people in our congregation are going through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and I like what he says. It's a similar kind of, uh, similar kind of vein is what I'm talking about. Blessed to be a blessing. He says, Dave Ramsey says, in terms of finances, we should live like no one else. So be really intentional about our finances. Live like no one else so that you can give like no one else. We, even in that class, it's not just about getting your finances in order so that you can buy more boats or, uh, or cars or whatever or a nicer, a nicer house. But he says, get your finances in order so that you can have freedom to live in the way that God created you to live, which is to, to be a blessing. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus says it in a different way. He says, as we read, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. There is so much darkness in the world, but you are the light in the world. So we can't just hide that light and say, well, this is just for me and my family. We can't just say it's only for us within our church. You are the light of the world, so let that light shine. He also says in in Acts uh, chapter 1, as he's about to uh, uh, ascend into heaven, or good, let me find it here, he gives us this indication that we're supposed to move outward in our faith. That the things that we experience here in this church are intended to fill us up so that we can be poured out. So that we can share the good news of the Gospel. Not just, Joanne, I don't expect you to go and and give a sermon, you know, with, when you're meeting with people for coffee, like, let me tell you this message, this devotional that I came up with. It's not about that. <laughs> but you can let God's goodness and light shine through you as you are formed here in this space. Okay, so Jesus says it in this way. As He's about to ascend into heaven, He says to His disciples, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's what we're reminded of as we gather and worship. The Holy Spirit is descending upon us that we are being filled with God's goodness. The Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be My witnesses. You'll be the ones who provide the evidence and proof that God is real. You will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that we are intended to go out. And then he says in Matthew chapter 28, he says it in a different way. 
We read this at the beginning of, of worship. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always. Remember that I am with you always. Friends, our experiences within the church are intended by God to lead to an outward flow, an outward flow of generosity and compassion and of representing Christ within our community and our world. That's the whole point of our faith. And now, things are getting scary, right? And we're starting to wonder, well, why aren't there more people in church? And it's becoming harder and harder to just get this sense of confidence that Yes, God is filling me and sending me out into my life to share the light of Christ and to do good works that glorify God. That help people not just to say, oh Wendy, she's really nice. I think she's had a good life. She's really nice. But to actually look at Wendy. (laughs) And I believe that about you, Wendy. I do. (laughs) But there's a depth that can be added here to say, wow, she is super nice, but I also know that she loves the Lord. Like she, she loves Jesus, and she says that part of the reason why she pours herself out is because of her love for Jesus. Now that is compelling to people. That is saying there's something there that I want to pursue. Not just good for Wendy or good for Charlotte and Lowell that they're nice and they've had a good life because that, friends, people get envious of. They say, well, how come I can't be like that? How come they got all that? But if if someone sees God working in you, they're compelled to that. They say, i got to get some of what Dean has. But it just starts with the simple thing of you realizing that you are blessed to be a blessing. That you come here to be filled and to be shaped in Christ-likeness and poured out into your life. It's not easy. We need boundaries. We need some sense of scope because oftentimes within churches, there's disagreement of like, well, how should we pour ourselves out? But if we miss the pouring out part, if we forget that we are not here just for ourselves to be filled, but also to to extend ourselves to others, then we become not the church of Christ, but a country club. A place where we pay our dues and then we get to say how we want it. Because we paid our dues. (laughs) But there's no pouring out there. There's nothing compelling there. There's nothing that leads people closer to Jesus that glorifies God. So we have to be sensitive to what what are the needs around us and what is our actual capacity and what is God inviting us to do within our life. And so when Jesus says, uh, how does He... These aren't common words. He says, you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. He's talking about scope. So sometimes we can get into disagreements which I personally think are silly of, well, should we only do mission in our local community? Or should we uh, do mission in some other country? Or should we even bother with anything in Mankato? Because, you know, well, that's Mankato. Well, here, basically, that's what Jesus is saying when He says uh, Jerusalem is like... Jerusalem is like your immediate vicinity. So that would be like Lake Crystal. And then he says Judea, which would be kind of like Blue Earth County. 
And then he says Samaria, which would be like maybe southwest Minnesota. And then he says, and to all the ends of the earth. So we can see that and then use our discernment because we're all, you, I know you all pretty well by now. You're all very smart, very sharp. You can use your reason to say, what's the most immediate need here? You know, what, what is God giving me an opportunity to do? And then make a, an informed choice in that way and hopefully weigh it against Scripture. But too often it's easy to say, well, there's too many needs, so I'm just going to do what, what I need to do for myself. Or we only want to focus in this specific sphere. Well, sometimes there's more, there's more needs than just in our local community. Or sometimes like, well, there's an opportunity to help kids through a, an organization in Mankato. Well, would we pass on that opportunity to help kids? Or if something happens across the world, I know that oftentimes many of you will you know, be the first ones to write a check if there's some kind of natural disaster or whatever. Well, that's like to the ends of the earth. And if you see it as, well, I've been blessed to be a blessing, then it makes those decisions easier. Like, well, this was never mine in the first place. God has blessed me to be a blessing. It was never mine to keep in the first place. This is what God made me for. So why church? That's what we've been uh, talking about for a couple weeks. We had a break there had the invisible enemy, COVID. <laughs> Not everybody remembers that someone called it invisible enemy. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Why church? Why church? And so we talked about the necessity for worship. We're, we're having this experience, not just to hear hopefully a good message, but to be reminded of who God is and who God says we are. And we need church to have meaningful, uh, in like, deep relationships where we're, we're learning more and more about ourselves and being encouraged to grow in Christ-likeness. And the third clear reason that I see is why church is so necessary is because through church we, we can gather our resources to pour ourselves out. Like we as a, as a church can be a lot more effective in mission. We have the potential to be a lot more effective in mission if we work together than if we just do things separately. You know, if we just say, well, let's all be generous. Well, that's really important, and I know that you all do that already. But imagine if we all share that perspective that we're blessed to be a blessing, and then we work together. We can do way more together than we can on our own. So this is a place where we're reminded of who we are in Christ, and we, we orient our hearts towards God in worship, and we experience being loved through meaningful relationships as we grow in Christ-likeness. And then we can step out into our lives, which is the mission field, with confidence and compassion and clarity about how we're supposed to live. See, this is really crucial because here, like in small groups or in worship, we practice these things that we're going to have to be able to do if we want to go out into the community uh, with any kind of missional mindset. Like if we want to actually uh, share the gospel with somebody, what do you think the first step is? Introducing yourself. <laughs> just being curious about them. In other words, just building a relationship with them. You know, like what's going on in their life? Asking good questions. And it's a very vulnerable feeling. So we can, we can practice being vulnerable with one another whom we probably don't know that well we can practice being vulnerable with one another so that we can 
be vulnerable with a stranger or a coworker. Like if you're going to ever get to the point where you're talking to people about God, I mean, that's like one of the most vulnerable things we could do. So we need the reps here. And in, in small group, we actually practice saying out loud the things that we believe. Like it's really hard to just get a grasp on what do I believe and how would I share it with someone unless we practice those things and say it out loud. It happens to me still to this day. I don't really know what I believe until I start trying to explain it to somebody. Then I'm like, do I really believe that? Is that really what I believe? Yeah, but that, so that's what we practice together. And if we skip that part, then it's pretty tough to go out into our lives and to say, yes, we're blessed to be a blessing. So I'm really excited about where we're at as a church. I feel like we're really on the right track. We're, we've gotten more small groups. We're really emphasizing, you know, getting these reps of being vulnerable, of understanding what it is that we believe and how we might share that with the people in our lives. And we're also ha- continuing to have a community focus through our missions committee. You know, we're doing things with the school. Just taking this mentality of we're blessed as a church to be a blessing. And we go to the, to the school and say, hey, we see you guys. We care about you, what you're doing. We value the school. <laughs> Crazy, you know, a long time ago, you wouldn't even have to, even not that long ago, you wouldn't even have to think that we would have to really emphasize that we care about the school. We are for the school, Brenda. <laughs> Brenda works at a school. <laughs> But friends, that's, that's the simplicity, but yet the urgency of mission today. Now we're, we're, our missions committee is also going to, to tell the, uh, the firefighters to do something really kind for them and to say, hey, firefighters, we care about you guys. We value you. We're blessed to be a blessing. We want you to know that we see you, and by proxy, that means God sees you and has not forgotten about you. But the same is true for Welcome Manor and even a, a spot that really touches my heart, women in recovery with children who think that they are not worthy of God's love. At least, probably a lot of them think that. And we can tell them, because we have this mentality that we're blessed to be a blessing, we can tell them God loves you deeply. No matter what you feel about yourself. No matter how dark your life feels right now, God loves you deeply. Unconditionally. God has forgiven you. There are so many different powerful things that we can do. We're partnering uh, Backpack Food Program. And uh, what's the other one, Gina? The Feed My Starving Children. Uh, Echo Food Shelf. We do stuff with our food shelf here. It's all examples that we're already doing that emphasize this truth that we are blessed to be a blessing. And we can continue to do so much more. You can in your life but we also can as small groups and we can as a church to continue to lean into this and to let God be glorified, to let our light shine through our, our relationship building and our generosity within our communities. But for you, it probably starts within your family. For you, it probably starts uh, in your workplace or in some other group or organization that you're a part of. Just going into those spaces with this mentality that, yes, I am blessed to be a blessing. And I don't know what your experience has been, but the times where I have just lived out generosity, this is when I feel most alive. 
like the first exposure I had to this was when I became a youth mentor and I realized, wow, this boy that I've been asked to be a mentor and it feels like kind of a burden to me at first because I was, you know, I was vulnerable. <laughs> like, oh wow, what am I going to say to this kid, you know? And I realized that his dad, I learned that his dad wants literally nothing to do with him, that he's sending letters to his dad and his dad doesn't even reply and ignores his phone calls. And like, wow, God gave me an opportunity to spend one hour a week to pour myself out, to be a blessing to Him, to let Him know that somebody loves Him, you know, other than His mother, which I know she loves Him as well, but is overwhelmed. This is the most life-giving and life-changing experience I had had to that point in my life when I was 27 years old. And it was part of how I started to wrap my head around this truth that these formational experiences that I was blessed to be a part of were not just for me. They're not just for my self-betterment or self-improvement. Christianity is not self-help. Yes, we, we benefit from it. We grow in leaps and bounds and we're changed to be more and more like Christ. And through that, it's just exhilarating moments of joy and purpose and meaning. But it's not just for us. We're blessed to be a blessing. Meant to be poured out. To be a light to all people. There's nothing more satisfying than living this way. Friends, we are blessed to be a blessing. You have been blessed to be a blessing to be sent out in God's name. That's why church. That's why we need church. And that's why we need Jesus now more than ever. Amen.